Welcome, folks. We are big, we are dudes, and we are in the trenches, all three of us. I like it. It's a good way to start the uh, the show right there. I love it. It always is. Uh, we're starting the show later than usual if you're tuning in live. First of all, thank you very much for tuning in live. Second of all, uh, life happens, so we're late. That's okay, because... We still want to talk about some football with you. Hope you're along for the ride. If you're listening to us later, you won't notice a difference. So that's cool. Uh, it'll still it'll be it'll be up on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts at the same time as normal. So to you, this I mean, you could just skip through this part, but don't skip too far. We're gonna start talking football here soon. Like right now, let's go ahead and dive in. We got the whole oh. week ten of the XFL to get into, and. There's no more regular season. It is officially over after these four games we're set to talk about. Starting off, of course, with the first game of the weekend, St. Louis Battlehawks needed to run up the score to have a shot at the playoffs. They did so 53-28 to over the Orlando Guardians. A couple of records here. Highest scoring game in XFL history. Highest scoring game from a single team in XFL history. They also attempted the longest field goal in XFL history, but they missed it uh, and tied the record for touchdowns by a single player. A.J. McCarron throwing for six touchdowns ties Quinton Normandy's record of three passing and three rushing touchdowns earlier this year. Kind of crazy that the Guardians did something good. And they the fell off the face <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> but this was all St. Louis all the way. Uh the only surprise is that Orlando put up 28 points. And really, Orlando looked good in a lot of this game, too. This was not like they put up yeah. 28 freebies. They, I honestly, watching this as a, you know, as a fan of the game, I was like, they might pull, they might accidentally pull this out. They, For a little yeah. bit. For they a were little trying. bit. That first half was a much closer game than the, than the score shows. But that's also because the Battle Hawks decided to put it away in the second half, and there was, it was done at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. By the time the second half rolled around, it felt like it was just St. Louis vying for some positioning, rather than Orlando really having a shot to stop them at all. Um, and I mean, in the individual performances were off the charts. Of course, that's going to happen when you score fifty-three points, but. Nobody better than the man himself, A.J. McCarron. Six touchdowns on the day. Not a single turnover from him. Uh, pretty good stuff from your quarterback. Which that's, that's, I don't want to say it's unusual, but he has had – like it, it seemed like there's always been one hiccup that he's had, and this was a, a perfect game from him, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. 420 yards. Very nice. Plays it. Uh, we just had 420 last week, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, nine yards on the ground. So, that's... Good for him. Yeah. Good job, bud. <laughs> you didn't lose yards on the ground. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, but also, I thought there were two defensive performances worth shouting out here. Uh, you can never say, I don't shout out players from the team up north. Uh, Lavert Hill, great corner. 
he really is. It is true. I do still hate him, but it is true. Uh, the corner put up three uh, tackles for loss, which I thought was pretty impressive. Also, eight total tackles led the team. And then Brandon Sebastian had two interceptions on this game, one in the second quarter and the basically the final nail in the coffin for Orlando, the last interception of the game. There were three total. Uh, Brandon Sebastian, it wasn't. It was a little bit more than just being in the right place at the right time. Uh, he, he really felt like a bit of a rangy cover guy this game and was able to fight his way into position more than just lucking into it. Pretty fantastic game for both these guys. I got to say, when you see a corner with three TFLs, talk about not knowing how to stop the corner blitz, uh, <laughs> right. not having a game plan for it. Like, dude, I'm just going to send him in and he's going to get a tackle for loss. Yeah, I'm okay with that because you're usually maybe calling that at most three to five times a game. And if he's coming away with the TFL on three of those, you're pretty happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He did his job to a T. <laughs> and I, I can I I know I already said it. I kind of want to say it again. It is so impressive to me that AJ McCarron didn't turn the ball over, and like that's huge. Yeah, that it really hasn't is. happened much at all this season from anybody, <laughs> and for a game where it matters so much, uh, he really played his best football. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as we'll find out later in this episode but was not uh, for lack of trying oh yeah this was uh one of the best quarterback performances i've seen in quite a while it is it is depressing that he couldn't do this last week that is very true i'm i'm personally okay with that you you would be i guess it's i think the problem is uh it's more, it's even like take fandom out of it. I would have just loved to have seen that game just go back and forth last week. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Like, it, it should not, it should not have been the the basic, you know, basically a blowout like it was. Uh, so that's that's disappointing, but legitimately, though, I had no idea. Are you actually, do you consider yourself a Sea Dragons fan? I, I do, I do. You, you like seeing me drag my nuts on your face? No. No, I oh, got him. Got him. I knew it, it's Doug. That was going one direction the entire time he started talking. And it was worth it. It, <laughs> it was great. Second game of the weekend, also on Saturday. The also DC Defenders. Heartbreak. Against the San Antonio Brahmas. I think technically the Brahmas still had a shot at the playoffs. Uh, Would have needed a little bit of. No, they, if they, I don't, I don't want to tip what happened. Had they, but had they won this game, they would have made it in. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And they certainly fought for it. Also kind of felt like DC knowing that they've already clinched the North kind of, uh, let the foot off the gas the past couple of weeks. Now, I feel like that's going to hurt them going into the playoffs. You don't play you know, not to lose, you play to win. And that's that's something DC hasn't seemed like they've done in a couple of weeks now. They are 9-1, and one, though. Uh, I mean, they're still 
Brahma's put their best foot forward and still couldn't beat him. And the Jack Cone, as much as we talk about ice cream's problems, he had a heck of a game through the air, still couldn't get in the end zone. Zero touchdowns, zero picks for him on over 300 yards in the air. I mean, that's like really weird, unusual. Yes. yes. <laughs> but DC found a way to stop him most of the time. And somehow they still put up 28 points. I don't understand how the game was as close as it was, to be honest with you. DC uh, came out firing in the first half. And in the second yeah. half, it looks like they just took their, like you said, took their foot off the gas and coasted and then turned it up at the right moment. And that was it. I will say defensive points or points off of turnovers uh, really really helped the Brahmas significantly and actually is the reason I picked up Brahma as my defensive player of this game. Before we get there though, Bug, what do you think about the game overall? Man, you know, it was back and forth all game and I really thought San Antonio was going to pull it out. Uh, Like you said, DC has been coasting the past two weeks. I had to go to overtime last week. This week, man, they were, they were a breath away from losing it. And I I want y'all's opinion on this as football fans in general, like take, take this game out of it when you your kicker gets ice do you want him to take a practice kick I, it, honestly it depends on the kicker it what i don't yeah. want him to do is it, it, and this is where i've seen the ice go both ways if he takes that first kick that practice kick that you're talking about and misses somehow most of the time i see him make it the next time but if he makes that practice kick he misses the Seems next to always game. miss it. Yeah. Yeah. It's dude, it's a hit and miss situation and it, it really depends on the kicker and what they're comfortable with. It's either a hit and miss or a miss and hit situation. Yep. I guess technically. Yep. Uh I would say probably no in general. I don't want the practice kick. Just I don't because want it, it, it kind of fucks with the mentals. Yeah. You start <laughs> you you over you underthink the overthink. It's it's weird, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's that's what happened yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> San Antonio did everything right. They got all the way back into field goal range. They did all, all the things that they needed to do, all the good things to get back in this game, give themselves a chance to win. And drills, I mean, this kick's probably good from another five yards out. Probably another 10 yards out if we're being real. It was a 54-yard attempt, if I remember correctly. Drills it. He got, you know, the uh, pick at the last second. And then uh, the next one, it was – it had the leg. It would have been good, again, from 64 yards. And uh, if it would have been, you know, down the center. It looked – it. the announcer said – and obviously looking from a side angle, it's tough to tell. The announcers were saying, you know, it, it was online and then it just started hooking and never came back to center. And as soon as he kicked it, I knew it wasn't going in. It just – you hated. I hated to see it. Absolutely hated to see two, it. They did two everything games right. in a row. Two games in a row. We almost saw a record for the longest field goal made, and it's just like a little bit off to one side. Both of them were long enough, actually. Oh yeah, which is yeah. impressive. Yeah. So is what what kind of surprised me was they 
they didn't do anything to try and line him up on where he wanted on the field. He wanted that right. I get. I mean, if they did, it was because he wanted that right hash. They're like, all right, we'll just keep running plays to the right then. And if it mm-hmm. if we get yards, we get yards. If not, no big deal. But what was interesting to me, and like, I'm not I'm not a kicker. I don't understand how this works. But he kicked it pretty straight on. I'm like, you're just banking on you're you're gonna miss. You know, aim small, miss small. But it was like he was almost aiming for the upright, and it was one of those things. I was like, "Man, you, you, I would have rather seen him push it all the way to the left because missing it just by that much to the right, that's gut wrenching." And the right was he a uh, right footed kicker or a left footed kicker? Uh, he was normal. He's still subhuman, but he was normal. <laughs> okay, so right footed. <laughs> he has feet. Yeah, going to the. It's tough, man, because what you're basically relying on there in the right hash is that is the cross your body. It sounds like he just didn't get enough of that angular swing. Physics. It was heartbreaking and gut wrenching all the same, regardless of what it was. So well, DC won nine nine and one on the year. Good season for DC. They're they're only losses to the team that couldn't beat oh. anybody else. They're only losses to the team that is one and nine. Yeah, I know. I know. We can move on. Uh. (laughs) I want to talk about this a little bit longer. You telling me you couldn't beat the fucking Guardians? I'm telling you, Quentin Dormady had the game of his life. It'll never happen again. XFL record for touchdowns in a game from a guy who's never scored a touchdown before in his fucking life. Never throw the ball before in his fucking life. Fantasy sucked. Jeez, so did Central. He just Michigan. shares the record. Fucker. He shares the record. <laughs> he still has it. Shares it. Okay. Yeah. His he, name is it, still it was, there. It was it was tied this week. So we're both we're all right. <laughs> but <laughs> I had a great transition about defensive player of the game. And now I've been I'm, I'm flustered. We we buried <laughs> that you. so hard. Buried it so hard. <laughs> So hard. But I wanted to talk about Jordan Williams interception because this, I think, really was one of the biggest difference makers in keeping the promise in the game. So it was 30 seconds left in the first half when Jordan Williams got the interception, and the Brahmas scored a touchdown on that drive. It was their only touchdown of the first half. If they don't get that, we're going into the locker room 19 to three. DC. I don't feel like San Antonio has enough juice to come back from that at halftime. But man, 19 to 11 feels a hell of a lot different. And mm-hmm. Jordan Williams, in addition to getting that pivotal interception, also, I believe, either led the team or was second in the team in tackles. Probably led the team in tackles. He leads the team in tackles every week. Uh, like, he leads the league in tackles. By a lot. Like, I think he has plus 30 on anybody else. Good. Uh, yeah. Jordan Williams is great. Uh, Jordan Tamu, though, on the offensive side of the ball, nobody individually had a better performance than this. But with that interception at a pivotal moment, that certainly felt like it was wide open. Jordan Tamu added 45 yards on the ground and another touchdown on the ground, though, which kind of locks us up for Jordan Tamu. Uh, pretty good completion percentage, two touchdowns through the air. Kind of 
yeah, it was his fault letting San Antonio back in this one in the second quarter. But overall, the team got it done. Yep. Yeah, and it it's still crazy to me that San Antonio's strength was their defense. Like, I don't – it seemed like their offense all year, uh, it just – it was never able to get out of that first gear, frankly. It, it just always felt like they were missing something to their offense. And – yeah, they they tried. They did not quit, and you know credit to them for that. But man, it was head scratching. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not wrong. Yeah, who would have thought a Heinz Ward and Joey Porter coach team would only be good at defense and, and right. not at offense? Almost like this is the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> Weird how that works. Try to try to make them look just like them. That's for sure. All right, let's move on to uh, the snooze fest of the weekend. I mean, the dog shit bowl. This was the South Championship preview. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it. I wouldn't even call it. I wouldn't even call it that because Arlington. (laughs) We're talking about Houston versus Arlington. There was there was not even a point spread for this game. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, there was no point spread for this game. They, I guess, were calling it even, or maybe they just thought there's no reason for Arlington to try. Like, I, I don't know. There's no reason for either of these teams to try. And Houston yeah. came out and fucked them up anyway, twenty-five to nine. Brandon Brand Silver didn't even play. Killed them. I know. Yeah. I know. And they had a a backup running back in. Like this was, this was uh not. Actually, a South Championship preview. Let's be real. It'll uh, be much, much worse. When San Antonio lost to D.C., Arlington had already clinched, essentially. Yeah. Uh, not even essentially. That is what happened. Arlington clinched yeah. when San Antonio lost. So, the result of this game literally did not matter for anything. We knew we were already getting this this coming Saturday as the South Championship. And, yeah, neither team put forward their best effort, unfortunately. <laughs> um, crazy part, though, is Houston is that good. They, <laughs> they didn't need to. Points. <laughs> uh, and, or Orlington's that bad, either way. <laughs> well, Houston made it look effortless at times, too. Like, this wasn't even yeah. – this was very, This was a very casual ass-whooping that we saw this in this one. It Like – Man, if you are a Renegades fan, I'm sorry because I do not have high hopes for y'all at all. Right. Nope. Not now. Right. This is a bad look. Yep. <laughs> but at the same time, it looked like they had about five plays in the entire fucking playbook. So I mean, they you even you even heard on the mic a few times, uh, Luis Perez saying, "I don't want to do that right now. I don't want to do that right now." Like calling plays off because play them again next week. I don't want to give them give away too much. So are, is it going to matter next week? I don't think so. I was going to say they've already played them though is the thing. Like it's not like not with Luis Perez. Right. I don't I don't know if the playbook changed that much, but I get your point. I mean, Luis Perez is better than Drew Plitt. I think it would have changed a little bit. You're not wrong. Or Kyle Slaughter, Slaughter, whoever. Fuck it. He sucked too. Slaughter. Close. Probably closer than I said. That's pretty good. I like it. Kyle Slutter. 
Let's move on to... that's how we got uh, reviewed for slander. That's fine. Come at us. Move on some players (laughs) of the game here. Uh, Yes, this is the same picture we used last week for Devontae Beckett. Nobody likes to take pictures of defensive players. Also... It's still Devontae Beckett, so it still counts. Um, six tackles for him was actually second on the team. Uh, two TFLs, though, and one interception. Yeah, this guy's a beast. He does it week in, week out. Uh, technically a linebacker. I kind of call him a defensive lineman at times, too. I don't know. He plays a little bit of everything in that front seven. And uh, wrecks shit. All the time, he's he's fantastic. So you mean to tell me we get a blurry photo of a defensive player? But I'm assuming Jeremy Cox is their backup running back. We get a nice high res photo. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, that is absolutely 100% how this works. Also, his name is Jeremy Cox, and he runs stiff up the gut. God damn it, Doug! Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> He is a hard runner. (laughs) Uh, 21 carries, 120 yards for him, and a touchdown. Didn't do it on big breakaways. Uh, 22 was his longest. Just a consistent runner. Performed very well. Also did feel like Arlington wasn't really trying to stop him. But damn it if he didn't penetrate very well. God damn it. Here's here's the thing, you know, I've been I've been noticing how hard Cox is to bring down all year. But the problem's been that he's not been the primary back. Right. So it he's kind of been an under a very underrated player. Not kind of. He has straight up just been a very underrated player on this uh Houston offense. He's fantastic. He is man, so powerful in the backfield. Man, unassuming Cox will surprise you every time. (laughs) And no, we did not get that out of our system. That's just (laughs) us. So let's continue. Uh, The final game of the weekend, decider of who makes it to the playoffs in the North. Will it be St. Louis? Will it be Seattle? It takes Seattle versus Vegas to figure this out. Hold Last on, before, game of the regular season. You, you forgot to finish that line. statement. Will it be Seattle? Will it be, be St. Louis? Even the announcers don't know. Literally nobody knew. I don't think the league knew like what the tiebreakers were. I think the only person in the world who understands the tiebreakers is Dean. Dean Blandino. Yeah. Dude, uh, here's what I'm telling you. I think they, it, they sat there and just wrote a bunch of tiebreakers down and said, you know what, if we get to the sixth, we'll figure that out later. It's just, it looks good on paper. Right. And it, it did get to the sixth tiebreaker. And to the point that, like, tiebreaker one, or the number one was, if Vegas wins, St. Louis is in. But if Seattle doesn't win by 34 exactly. No, they need to score 34 and let up they less did, than yeah. 34. No, yeah. that was tiebreaker two. <laughs> that was the thing. So it, it literally changed <laughs> twice, right? Because it yeah. said they originally it was, oh, yeah. they need to score more than 34 and hold Vegas to less than 34. And I was like, okay. But then yeah. during the Seattle game, they said if if Seattle scores 34 points and wins, 34 exactly, 
then they're in. If they score, but if they score more than 34, they have to hold Vegas to less than 34. Which would which mean they won. Neither, <laughs> yes, which would also mean they would have to win by 30, like, right. exactly. And then they never even talked about really what the sixth tiebreaker was, so I just assumed it was some magical bullshit that wasn't going to matter or really play that much of a factor. And there's like, oh yeah, the sixth one exists. It was, and then it came down to the sixth one. Matter. Yeah, but the uh, way the way they talked about it on the broadcast, it really made it sound like if they didn't score thirty four or more, that they weren't going to get in anyway. So I, I did this game see... ended, and I was like, oh, I was stunned to see that Seattle was in. Frankly, I did see on Twitter somebody broke down the exact scores that would have been needed for Seattle to win and St. Louis make the playoffs. There were like six combinations of final scores that it would have worked with somehow. I still don't understand exactly why it works that way. I think it comes down to like league rankings in certain stats. Um, it's opponent score. The The line yeah. from the broadcast was beautiful. It was you almost need a master's degree in how these things work to understand who's going to go to the playoffs. And I, <laughs> honestly, that's true. And, and here's my here's my thing. If you're going to have these things like point differential or points differential within the division, that's great. Make those stats available on your website so I can go right. see them easily. Don't right. hide those stats. And it, I'm not asking you for rocket science here. Like you, you have them plainly available. Yep. You oh, use 100% them. I agree. You know how great that would be if everyone made stats readily available? It would make my life so much fucking easier, dude. And not charge money for good stats. I know. It would be unbelievable. Imagine access to information. Oh, God. gosh. We should put it Imagine, like, a worldwide web or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, worldwide what? web of information. That's gross. Where we Get can connect computer to computer and share the information faster. That Shut up. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't want to hear about this grossness. So, hey, I hear, so Seattle, I hear some Seattle people want to let you see naked ladies on there, too. So it's not all bad. All right, I'm in. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I just love the serious voice. Now, now dude, that, you got me. I'm in. Done. Seattle did win 28-9, to and they are headed to the playoffs after that performance. Uh, we do have a couple of players of the game worth Shouting out Ben DiNucci, of course, yet again, player of the game. He was for Seattle. himself, too. See him dragging his nuts all over this Vipers defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, 339 yards, three touchdowns, did throw two interceptions, but also led his team in rushing yet again. Does that quite a bit anymore. Four carries, 41 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Seems like Seattle's plan at running the ball is let Ben DiNucci scramble a bit and in very short yardage situations hand it off to to Lindsay. Um, which yeah, they've been winning with it, so why change it now, I guess. I do question like how important is it to you guys the the number of interceptions that Ben DiNucci throws? It doesn't seem to have hurt them all that much just yet, but when they play a team he better than the threw, Vipers, it very well might. He threw the ball 41 times. Yes. Really? Two INTs? 
not a horrible number. But at the same time, maybe just, you know, don't throw the ball 40. You throw the ball 34, 33 times, and he has two two INTs, I'm concerned. This many passes, though, I'm not as concerned, I guess. My concerns are more of where the interceptions are, not necessarily the amount. Like, don't get me wrong. I hate interceptions. Stop turning the ball over. But at the same time, if you're still putting up more touchdowns, if you're in a positive touchdown to interception ratio, I can live with it if you're giving them in a, giving them the ball in effectively between the 20s, right? Don't give them guaranteed points, but don't also cost yourself points. So from like the 20 to 20, I... Assuming I have a defense that plays at the level that Seattle's does, I could probably deal with that. Yeah, fair enough. Interceptions bother me. Uh, they should. I, I want to hold them. on to my baby sister. Yes. I like her too much. Yes. Uh, defensive player of the game, I did want to shout out Keelan Kennedy of the Vegas Vipers, number six. Uh, he is a corner. Number I don't know why I said number. He had nine total tackles. Uh, he did force a fumble as well, which was a pretty awesome play. That was a Josh Gordon fumble that I think went out of bounds, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, so Seattle got to hang on to it. But breaking up that play as well as he did and leading the team in tackles was pretty impressive. Uh Similar to last week, I'll say, where we had a couple of games where it was like, I don't really know who to give defensive player of the game to here for the winning team. Uh, Seattle kind of had multiple guys get to the ball at the same time almost every play, which is awesome. And the way you would definitely prefer your team to play as far as hanging out an individual defensive player of the game award, not exactly <laughs> the best uh, when you're trying to do that for uh, – for a team that's as as great at getting into the ball at the same time as Seattle was this one. But Vegas, Keelan Kennedy really showed up. Uh, put his team in a position to succeed at least the best of his ability. Um, and and we, we're smart enough in football to recognize that, even on a losing team. Fact. Absolutely. Shout out to the boy. All right. All right. All right. question. Did Ben catch Doug? Fuck no. <laughs> so I had a good right. week, though. Two things I will say. Number one, the only pick that I missed this entire week was Sal Canella over under on number of catches, which was also in my parlay, or else you guys would have been royally fucked. The way it is right now, you're only fucked. So... Congrats on not being royally fucked. Also, I think the Pick'em site is messed up because, Bug, you had 1,230 last week and 220 points this week for a total of somehow 1,430. That math does not work. <laughs> and I triple-checked it. That's what the Pick'em site says you have. It switches the scores. Like, it, it will not fully update yes oh well that's for never mind because i did it the first couple weeks but it will it will change the scores like i'll get emails so last week i actually got an email saying i got zero and i got i was like okay makes sense but i got 70 right yeah 
Yeah, so maybe it'll keep updating. I don't know. But I think I think we're done with this now. I don't think there is a pick em for the playoffs. As far as I can tell. I, we'll I'm see. Just gonna, I'm just going to say what been... we need to do now is we need to take these pictures and get, like, a little crown clip art and put it so, like, next year when we come back to the XFL, right. you get the little crown on your head. Or the XFL title belt. Yeah, that'll work, too. I like it. Rock trophies. Or we can just buy you a uh, $190 piece of shit uh, DC Hell jersey. Hell yeah. For winning. Now we're talking. We're, we're not going to do that. I'm going to get you something quality. We can, we can buy a black market one for 40 bucks and it'll look 100 times better, I promise. Practically a thick t-shirt looking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Those jerseys suck. Uh, but it's yeah, damn I, near... Damn near the ugly for this week again. I couldn't believe how great of a week this was for me. Like, I legitimately had no idea on most of my picks in the pick and <laughs> I felt fairly confident on this three. Sal Canella was one of the ones I missed, too. Yeah, we all missed Sal Canella, actually. He's been the best receiver for Arlington every week. And then Arlington over took a four shit. and a half. But Arlington decided not to show up, so... They just refused to play football on a week they were supposed to play football. No, he went Usually he went over because I picked I picked under and he went over. I figured they weren't gonna try and target him. No one like I figured really what I thought was and what happened was Houston keyed in on him. He did not get targeted a ton, but he still got over the four and a half. I maybe I completely misread something. I absolutely thought that was yeah, the opposite. It is. It is. It's weird. It's weird reading it too. But I know I've got two correct right. sandwiches. Yeah. So is what it is. Yeah. Either way, I'm a fucking moron, and I still beat you. So that's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love will say, see it. I enjoy that they made the the picks way more straight up than they did early in the year. It was cute. It was fun, but some of those were fucking confusing. Holy yes. shit. So. Yes, and now this week it was just like, will Jacor Pearson have over 60 yards? Yes, yes or no? but I, I appreciate you giving me the background story, but I don't want to get lost in the paragraph before you ask your question. Just ask your question. Right, right. This coach wore 35. This coach wore 45. Who, uh... What's the over-under on yeah. the jersey number of the winning coach? Over-under 35 and a half. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. So... Playoffs! Bad, ugly, good. <laughs> it's all the playoffs, man. All the playoffs. This is the bad... I mean... This is always a complaint, right? This happens in the NFL. This happens in college football. This yeah. happens in literally every sport that has a playoff. So there's a team that is not deserving, and there's one on the outside looking in. The XFL is no different, right? I mean, we've got St. Louis on the outside looking in. And I saw some people saying, oh, there's it's it's an only an eight-team league. It needs to be division winners and then two wild cards, which I don't hate. But at the same time, USFL does the same thing, right? This is I'm not yeah. I'm not opposed to this. With the XFL mantra of hey, you know, you saw it in the Vipers 
uh, Sea Dragons game. You saw it in the Guardians Battlehawks games where you had two teams, and you had a team in each of those games that was very much out of the playoffs already, but they're still out there. And announcers mention it; they're still trying to get tape. Blah 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 blah. I almost would have rather seen everybody make the playoffs and the whole the regular season just for seeding. I would rather that than uh, than doing the two wild cards because I do think because. I think the divisions should matter more than they do. It's just unfortunate that the teams were not balanced evenly through the draft, which a lot of that's up to chance, right? You know, some of these guys have not played in a long time, and sure, certainly nobody thought that the Guardians were going to go one and nine. Nobody thought that Houston and San Antonio were going to be as bad as they were, right? So it sucks. It's not fun to see a team like St. Louis sitting on the outside looking in, regardless of who you're a fan of, and then to see Arlington get in. I mean, yeah, it, it, it sucks. But that's not as ugly. I'm gonna Go have ahead. a good. I'm gonna have a good when you get to it. Yeah, it's not as ugly as the tiebreakers, right? I mean, it, it's a good joke, right? You need to have a Masters in this to understand what's going on, understand who's going to get in. I, I can appreciate it. I laughed. I laughed every time they said it. It did not get, not get funnier. You know, it didn't stop being funny. But dear God, that's annoying. I mean, yeah. I, I can't. I can't tell you how many yeah. people are like, "Oh, so St. Louis is in because Seattle didn't score thirty four points." Uh, yeah. Right. No, that's not what it was. No, the, and I was gonna say the thing is too is like I said earlier with this the the stats aren't available to sit there and go see them all together. That's that's the thing. This would be a lot less needing a master's in it if I could see all of the background stats so I could see right. and do if the, the evaluation. League, if the league did the work for us, it'd be... You, you mean their job? Right. Right. Instead of asking the fans to figure it out on our own, if they, you know, did their jobs and showed us, like, who was in the lead and stuff, that'd be cool. Yeah. It was just throwing out ideas. There's, there's been other issues with this all year where the league is just, I mean, even from before the league started, I mean, remember go back to 2020, 2019. I mean, shit in 2018, you heard the XFL was coming back. And then in 2019, they hit the ground running. They were talking about it from February of 2019 saying, Hey, we're coming back next year. In the fall, you heard about them. In the winter, you heard about them. All through the NFL playoffs, you heard about them. And then this year, it was like maybe a week before the Super Bowl. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to be playing the week after. And then they get punked by the USFL having a uh, commercial and them not having one at all. To be Fox, fair, I get it. To be fair, they had way more advertising than the IFL, the AFL. All these other football leagues that technically exist and no one has ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> like, they at least people know they exist and their name has gotten out a couple of different ways. No, it's not as much advertising as they probably should have done if they really wanted this to take off. But it's been some natural growth and I think they're finding a more loyal fan base than would come through with just the casual football fan. And I'll throw it on once. And this is people looking for this kind of thing. So I think it is, it's a different strategy 
I'm thinking it might be a little bit more sustainable than just throwing money at advertising every year. I think so, too. And that brings us to the good. The playoffs start next week, and I don't want to knock Houston here, but Houston is hosting one the South, the South Division Championship. Their attendance, their attendance this fair, time around has not been as good as last time. That's all I was really going to throw out there with this. But to be fair, Houston is hosting the South. They are by far the best team in the South. The playoffs got that right. And the D.C. is hosting the North. They have been by far the best team in the North. They are hosting. It does make uh, sense. And D.C., they had a sellout for their last home game where they clinched this yeah. home field advantage. And I imagine this one will be a sellout, too, which is great. It's, the, it's <laughs> depressing that they play in a soccer stadium of under 20, with a capacity of under 20,000. Yeah. So – even in the even in the good here, there's a little bit of bad mixed in. This is going to be a hell of a game too. Yeah. DC beat Seattle twice. They beat them like a mm-hmm. drum the first time to start the year, and then the second game was a lot closer. They've been showing a lot of chinks in the armor here, and Seattle is a much improved team, even from the last time they played them. So the good I was going to add is because you guys know how much this annoys me. At least a sub 500 team is not hosting a playoff game. That would have been impressive if they did host one. But divisions matter, and that's why the division champions are hosting the playoff games. Yeah, or no, the, 100%. The regular season winners. Another, another good for Tug here, one you'll appreciate, there's not a 10-16 and 16 who missed the playoffs. Oh, very correct, very correct. There's there a 7-3, though. There's a 7-3 team, which is right on about the equivalent. I know, but they weren't 10-6. and 6. Which is what the Dolphins were when they missed the playoffs. Actually, no, the, the St. Louis Battlehawks is just as bad because that's a team with a 700 win percentage. I am aware. And a sub 500. But they're not exactly what the Dolphins were. I was rubbing it in. Nope. Nope. Yep. yep. All right. So, power rankings. Uh, we've pared this down to only the teams that are actually in the playoffs now. Uh, forget about the other four. Who needs them? Now, you might be thinking. Why are there five spots? Uh, if you're thinking that, you've never watched my power rankings before. So strap in. Uh, <laughs> number one, I actually have the Seattle Sea Dragons. They are playing like the best team of football at the moment. Uh, and that's kind of what the power rankings are meant to reflect. With DC coming in at two, kind of taking a back seat. A lot of the time, uh, letting things come to them the past couple of weeks. On paper, we've said it from the beginning. Seattle is just as talented, if not more so, than any team in this league. DC has played like they are the best team in this league several weeks. Several weeks, they kind of have not as well. So we'll see what happens. This is going to be the best playoff game we could possibly hope for. Uh, I think D.C. uh, St. Louis would have also been very fun. Very fun game. I'm glad we got Seattle, honestly, because this game is going to be insane. Like, I don't (sighs) trust St. Louis to keep it as close as I trust Seattle to keep this one. As I think the issue is St. Louis really hasn't played from – 
first kick to final whistle. They have not played a complete game all year. St. Louis has struggled to put together 60 minutes, yes. Yeah, and that's Seattle. You could say they had, they've definitely had some struggles at different points throughout the year. A lot of it was early in the season. They've gotten over that. Uh, but especially this past week, you know, there there were definitely some times where it was like, okay, what all, what are we doing here, y'all? So it, it's yeah. going to be interesting because the other thing you got to look at, we've mentioned it, DC has definitely taken their foot off the gas to a degree these past couple of weeks, and it's it might come back to bottom of the ass here. Definitely. So that's one and two. Uh, we're going to skip number three for a moment, go right to number four, where I have Houston. Houston Roughnecks are the best team in the South, like I said. Uh, unfortunately, that's not saying much because the South sucks ass, which means number five is the Arlington Renegades, which that still looks like a D to me. Fix your damn logo. Make it representative did, of what you actually Why want. did they get rid of the last one? I have no idea. Maybe some copyright issues. Uh, uh, I blame. Was I blame uh, no, because everybody's logo is different. No. Everybody's yeah. logo is different. I blame Vince McMahon. Uh, probably, probably fair. So if you notice there, number four and five are the two other XFL teams. So what's that, what's that magical number three? Uh, this is a, a logo for the University of Delaware that I found today. <laughs> I didn't know this existed. I have <laughs> conflicting sources. This is either from the 60s or it's from the late 80s. Uh, I put it at number three because I would much rather look at this for three hours than be forced to watch the South Championship between Houston and <laughs> Watch that game. This logo is way more interesting. The Fighting Blue Hens. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I love this logo. It is up there legitimately with the uh siu logo of the shirt you got me i love that logo this one this is this is close i almost this is giving me like family guy vibes too right it's a beat up chicken it looks like (laughs) the blue hen just went nine rounds with peter griffin like (laughs) i was thinking the same thing i love the -the over-the-top text it's very old school. Hard to read. Oh, yes. Perfect. It, Perfect. If I, I if I was a Delaware Blue Hens fan, I'm getting this tattoo. 100%. <laughs> Man, Without a fucking question. Conflicting information. I'm not a Blue Hens fan. A says this was 60s and 70s, but then I have 1000logos.net who says this was from the late 80s. <laughs> so Can I don't know who I trust more. They, they could throwbacks in the late 80s no they had a completely different logo for the 60s and 70s than what the ncaa said again i have no idea who i trust more the ncaa like the supposed to be official source who sucks fucking ball sack or 1000logos.net the most reliable source any any teacher would tell you that is a 100 percent primary source cited in all of your essays ever it ends in but, .net. It's on the internet. Yes. It has to be true. Correct. I heard there are naked women on there. <laughs> but on this particular <laughs> site, there are old school logos of Delaware, which is just fantastic. Equivalent <laughs> to naked on. women on there. 
I could also move it on. Three hours. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! 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 <laughs> All right. So annual, uh... annual awards. Uh, the end of the regular season is upon us, which means, yeah, we 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 kind of wanted to do some year-end awards, wrap things up here, starting off with quarterback of the year. We don't do an MVP because it's kind of a quarterback-driven award for most places anyway. So we break it out into two, quarterback of the year and offensive player of the year. Uh, starting off with A.J. McCarron, who basically led every stat category for quarterbacks. Now, I understand this might be a little bit controversial if you're a Sea Dragons fan. Ben DiNucci uh, had more yards. That is not the end-all be-all of being a quarterback. He also ran for more yards. Who gives a shit? A.J. McCarron was a better quarterback, and, like, definitively so. 24 touchdowns to six interceptions is incredible. Compared to Ben DiNucci's 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm giving this to A.J. McCarron. I couldn't agree more. At least he didn't finish last in QBs for rushing yards. Close, but he didn't finish last. Uh, Actually, not close. There were two D.C. quarterbacks ahead of him. There were two Orlando quarterbacks ahead of him. Like, this is – there are several teams below A.J. McCarron still, all their quarterbacks. Uh, 100 yards is not terrible. (laughs) More than I can run. You got to love it. I mean, the guy overcame a massive injury that kind of cut his NFL career short and is making a name for himself in the XFL. I hope he makes it back on to an NFL roster in some way, shape, or form. And whether he does or doesn't, I would really love to see him back in the XFL next year because he has been exciting to watch. And I know he's having the time of his life out there too. Yeah, absolutely. He kind of said part of the reason he came back is so his sons could watch him play. That's awesome. I don't know that you get a better atmosphere for that than the XFL, honestly. And St. Louis too. The wow. dome light up for him. That's that's some memories right there for those kids. Yeah, love it. Moving on. The non-quarterback offensive player of the year. Giving it to Jacor Pearson. Uh, did lead the league in receiving yards and catches. Uh, only four touchdowns. Was still seventh in all the XFL in receiving touchdowns with four. Uh, also, only turned the ball over one single time, which is Love kind that. of incredible for a skill position player. He had a long of 68, eight catches of more than 20 yards, two of more than 40 yards, including that 68-yarder. Uh, all around, one of the best players in this league, kind of surprisingly the best receiver on the Sea Dragons, even though they had Josh Gordon, who ended up being the third best receiver in the XFL. Like, (laughs) this was a very pass-heavy Sea Dragons team. Jacor Pearson made that possible. Yes, it was was close. I thought about nominating uh, Josh Gordon. I thought about nominating Abram Smith as well. But ultimately, it just seemed like Pearson was Mr. Right Place, Right Time all year. So you got to give it to him. I I actually did nominate Hakeem Butler in there as well. There are several good options for this award. Yeah, he had too many fucking drops, man. That man pissed me off. 
Too many goddamn drops. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> Offensive line of the year award were the big dudes in the trenches. We had to uh, starting us off with the offensive line. We'll move to the defensive front here in a second. The D.C. defenders take this one, though. First in the league in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. I credit a lot of that to the offensive line. Also, first in sacks allowed. They only allowed 10, which is crazy because I thought they only had five amongst them. God. (laughs) Also, that was the best rate in the XFL. Uh, Next best was 11, but then beyond that, it got kind of crazy. DC (laughs) was best on the run game and on the pass game. Also, they were second in the league in fourth down conversion rate, which I thought kind of reflects on the offensive line. Uh, Pretty phenomenal push up front, basically all season long. And the game that we went to, I thought this picture was very appropriate. I know it's the wrong location, but the game that Bug and I went to, uh, this offensive line destroyed the St. Louis front. And then, <laughs> and then of course, the running back did the rest, uh, getting to the second level and breaking some mofos off. So mm-hmm. this, this offensive line definitely made life easier for Jordan Tamu and for this entire D.C. team, kind of the powerhouse of this offense. Love Absolutely. It. I mean, it, it's right there. 1,408 rushing yards. There's what else can you say? I mean, give credit to Abram Smith too, right? We mentioned him. He was definitely in consideration for offensive player of the year. But, man, (laughs) he doesn't get anywhere if his O-line isn't blocking for him. Very rarely did I see him go down behind the line. Right. Oh, yeah. And we saw basically every other running back go down behind the line at least a couple times a game. Yeah. I said defensive line of the year, kind of cheating the system. Going to call it front seven of the year. Uh, I don't know a more fair way to do that. Everybody runs a little bit different front. If I just added up the stats for the defensive linemen, as you know, we would get like two or three starting across the defensive line of Houston, and then the rest of them would be running uh, linebackers. Technically, um, I think front seven is more than fair, though. This front seven for Houston was insane this year so many goal line stands this this one from the san antonio game very memorable in my mind san antonio tried to run it like four times in a row and moved backwards like six yards that's mm-hmm. that's that. this front seven for you uh they got 35 sacks which is five times more than they have collectively i don't know how that's possible uh also 59 tackles for loss 368 tackles total. And yes, this is front seven stats only. I subtracted the defensive backs out of here. Get the fuck out of here, DBs. We don't like your kind. This is the front seven only. Uh, Nine forced fumbles among these guys. Nine fumble recoveries, which is 100% ratio. That's insane in itself. That's the best in the league. Uh, Also, they scored four touchdowns on their fumble recoveries. That's just this front seven. That is not defensive backs. (laughs) Three interceptions from this front seven. One of them was a defensive tackle. 
Like this, this front well, seven was insane. Defensive tackle. If they had a little bit more on that offense, they would have been dangerous. Oh yeah. I know Telex does it basically every week, but it's, it is kind of what we expect from Wade Phillips' defense. At the same time, you got to give these guys credit. This is some next-level stuff. It's it's insane. <laughs> this, it's depressing that this offense is so hampered at times. Because, like Their losses have come to teams in the north, and they have looked like ass. They need a little bit more on the offensive side of the ball because this defense is amazing. Like it was stunning. I think it was against St. Louis where St. Louis scored on the goal line. And I was just like, yeah. How did this happen? Right. Very, very few times all year did they have any type of hiccup. And who knows, maybe maybe when they play DC or Seattle in the championship, we'll see that, oh, it was just that you were playing the South. That's what Ooh. it is. Yeah. Oof, maybe probably accurate, but oof. Next up, defensive player of the year. We're giving it to Delonte Scott, one of the big dudes in the trenches for the San Antonio Brahmas defense. I've voted for Jordan Williams. Bug came in and had a really good point. Delonte Scott was phenomenal and at a position that doesn't usually get recognized. And I kind of wanted to shout that out as well. Seven and a half sacks didn't lead the league but I believe second or third out of a true defensive line spot in the league in sacks. That's kind of phenomenal. Uh, also, I thought he had one, but this is listening to him as seven and a half sacks. Inhuman. Yes, that's the third time in a row I've made that joke. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. And yes, uh, it's the third time in a row I've laughed. <laughs> 18 solo tackles, 36 total. That's seven and a half sacks. Again, really good stuff from a true defensive lineman. 11 tackles for loss, getting through that offensive line as well, week to week, consistently. Two forced fumbles. Phenomenal stuff from Delonte Scott. Honestly, didn't know who this guy was until this season. I started paying attention to him every single game, truly. Like, this was – Delonte Scott was one of the best parts of a – very good Brahma's defense, which was by far the best part of the Brahma's. And honestly, the second best part of the South division as a whole, putting Houston's defense just above them, barely. Mm-hmm. Like, the San Antonio defense was very fun to watch. Delonte Scott was a huge reason why. Yeah, it's this team is more depressing than Houston that their offense doesn't have any lick of talent because they very much – this defense deserves to be – in the playoffs. Wait, wait, wait. The this team with Jack Ice, the team with Jack Ice Cream Cone doesn't have a lick of talent. There you that's go. So good. That's so good. I don't know if you meant that or not, but that's I so good. I think he did. And then, Coach of the Year, we did want to shout out Reggie Barlow with the job he did with the DC Defenders. I know this sounds stupid and weird and like revisionist history i legitimately saw people saying the dc at the beginning of this year dc might win like two or three games all season uh they won nine of them and should have won 10 of them all 10 of them like this was a very well coached team 
for the first eight weeks. They kind of did let off the gas the last two weeks. Uh, not going to hold it against them too much. They did win both those games at the end there. But, uh, yeah, they, they clinched the playoffs pretty early. They clinched home field advantage and uh, definitely deserving. They were the best team in this league week to week pretty consistently. Got to give credit to Reggie Barlow. But the things he was able to do with – the rotation of quarterbacks making that actually look good and make sense is kind of crazy. The focus on the run game when they were able to and the willingness to get off the run game and throw the ball very well, surprisingly well, uh, something that you have to coach for. And Reggie Barlow deserves a lot of credit for the way that offense was able to move. And then, of course, the defense was good enough to actually win on those games. Can't just win on offense alone. He, his scheme, his play calling, he had St. Louis, the game we were at, he had them so off balance with the way he oh, was yeah. mixing things up there. It was, you knew St. Louis was going to be in trouble. And he's been able to do that most of the year as well. Unfortunately, you have a stumble against the worst team in the league. Yes, I'll say it every time. And it's just, it's okay. But it's it's insane. It's insane. And I they're let's just move on to the next slide because we've talked about it several times already. The North Division Championship game. If this game was in Seattle, I'd give it to Seattle. It's in DC. I'm leading DC, but I don't know that I can fully give it to them that way either. I I'm looking at this game and one thing sticks out to me, and it's kind of what Doug was talking about earlier. Man, it's hard to go from taking the foot off the gas to going back to full gas, uh, especially against a team that has been rolling since week three. Realistically, they went six or seven and one in the last eight weeks of the season. Yeah, man, it's going to be tough. And and Seattle's playing at a level I don't think DC has played against. That's what what throws me off here. But I do agree, DC gets a little bit of a plus advantage, basically because of the home field. I just I I'm with you. This this is a tough one, and it's a very intriguing matchup. You know what's a very real possibility and would hundred percent happen if I didn't mention it right now to reverse the jinx. Arlington, in theory, could win the title, which sucks to think about. I hate everything about that. That's um, technically possible. You just made that it. Is gross. It's gonna happen now. No, it would have happened if we didn't talk about it. But now that we've talked about it, been... it's over. If if Orlando had made the made it in and won and they would win that way, I would I would have been fine. I would have been okay with it. Yes, Arlington, Arlington. man, <laughs> they got. When did they get that fourth win? When did they get uh, that fourth win? I think they reached up into their week holes. week eight Gosh, against Orlando in or- Orlando's. We have to win out to make it. Yeah. If they and that's the other fucked up thing. Orlando wins that one, and then San Antonio's in. If Orlando would then go yep. on to lose the next, which you know, or San Antonio took care of business. I this Honestly, is not I'd crazy be more okay with San Antonio in the playoffs than Arlington. Arlington yes, has been did. the most boring team to watch this season, which is the worst crime according to the BDT podcast. It, I Absolutely. mean, it is. It's the worst crime against football, which is the yes. highest of crimes. They they are two points away from not being in this thing. Three points, really, because they, you know, they only beat Orlando by one the second time, and they beat 
uh, San Antonio by two. The first time, Gross. just just oh four points. Sorry, it was two points All each right. game. All right, so we are are we all picking Houston in this one? Yes, in that top matchup. Yeah. yeah okay. Yes, picking Houston. Uh, Bug, you already picked DC. Did you make your pick, Tug? I'll, I'll go Seattle on this one. I I, I got to ride the hot hand. Thank you. I appreciate it because I am. I think I am going to go DC. I know I put Seattle number one in the power rankings, which is going to sound contradictory. It's at DC, kind of what, kind of what Bug said. Um, I, whew, I have no idea how it's going to turn out. This, this is going to be, be a good game. game. It's going to be a good game. I cannot wait for this game, honestly. Can we? April can we talk 30. About Actually, yeah. I totally can wait for this game because we have the NFL draft first. So let's let's do that. And then it's a good thing. It's a good thing game. they're sliding. They're sliding the bad game on the last day of the draft. That's. That was that was smart. It's not like they knew yes. that would happen. That was smart. <laughs> uh, before we talk any draft, though, we should highlight the USFL, which, of course, we're not going into depth on just yet. Oh, uh, we'll we'll touch on this a lot more in depth, kind of how we've been doing the XFL once the XFL is actually over. In the meantime, this is week two of the USFL. Uh, yeah, Memphis but- shot the bed, huh? But yeah, I was gonna say, Bugger, are you ashamed? I don't know if I'm more ashamed of Memphis for only scoring two, or I'm more ashamed of Birmingham for giving up a fucking safety and ruining their shutout on a safety. Yeah. I didn't. What a horrendous way to. What a horrendous way to screw up your defensive shutout, though. Is they're not even on the field. They're just like, nah, you guys get points. <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even feel the need to want to go back and watch this one, like watch any bit of it when I saw the final. Ew. But what I don't understand, I did see some highlights on Twitter. What I don't understand is how they ended up with the safety because it looked like Memphis had a great pass to about the two or three yard line. Obviously, they didn't score. But then the safety, I think, was on the other side of the field. So it's not even like they got the safety there. Like I'm, I'm just so confused, and I don't care enough right now to go back and look at it. Like I don't want, I don't want to see this game at all. Discuss the change of a quarter, change the side of the field. Maybe that could be true. Can can uh, we talk about how the Panthers have turned themselves around in one off season? We can. I hate them. Okay. I hate them for it. They are a much better team this year, though, so far than they were last year. Absolutely. Fuck them. Uh, New Jersey Generals kind of got back into form. They did lose to Birmingham last week. Birmingham still looks like the best team in the league. We thought that last year as well. Uh, They ended up not winning the title, though. New Jersey did. New Jersey finds a way to beat the Maulers, which that's not hard to do. Everybody can beat beat the Maulers. Uh, Three of us can beat the Maulers. And then uh, the only game we didn't talk about, New Orleans winning thirty-eight to thirty-one over Houston. So, oh guys, yeah. I'm sorry, I I have to ask this. We keep bringing up how the New Jersey Generals beat the Stallions in the USFL Championship game. That's not no. accurate. No, I, I, I don't remember ever saying thing. it that way. No, no, New Jersey won the title last year, though. No, they didn't. Who did? Birmingham. They beat Philadelphia. The they beat Philadelphia in the championship game 33 to 30. 
I'm thinking of the draft order when New Jersey was picking last. I think is the only thing I'm thinking of. That that could be. I'm just sitting here looking at it now. Go like I went through this last week too. I just couldn't say anything because I wasn't sure. All right. Well, I'm like this sounds fuck weird. Me and my historical USFL knowledge. I don't. I don't know. It's historical. Last year. Yeah, historical. I do remember the Panthers sucking ass. At least I remember that. Yes. Good old days. Uh, but we do have a USFL power ranking because, of course, we do. It's very important. Um, I got to be honest with you guys. We still don't really know much. If you want to click through some things here. Um, yeah, the Houston Gamblers and the Memphis Showboats are tied for last place <laughs> this week. Uh, didn't know how else to do that. First time ever in power rankings. I've had a tie. It's well-deserved. Congratulations to the Showboats for making it on the screen. Hey, next week, one of them's going to win. One of them has – there's no ties in the USFL. So, one of them has to win. They could invent a tie. Let's say it goes to 42 overtimes in the league's like, let's – Fucking call this shit. Fuck this. Ah, <laughs> yes, Memphis is on the road at the Liberty Bowl. Are they on the road for this one? I don't remember. They will have to play Houston twice, so it, I guess they're... The, they're on the, the road at the Liberty Bowl. Wow. See, but I'm pretty sure New Orleans is in Birmingham, too, so I'm not 100% sure who's the home and who's the away team. It, typically... The bottom team is the home team in every sports thing. Typically, production I've ever the seen. The USFL is not typical, my man. Nobody knows anything here. It's it, the this, USFL. Is one not of these games is on USA Network, bro. Nobody knows anything about this league, man. <laughs> Which means you can catch it on the cock later. Fucking characters, welcome, dude. Shit's nuts. So, so yeah, yeah like we, we New said, Orleans, Birmingham, which. Actually, I think it's the only two two and O teams now, right? Yeah, yeah. So we will only have one undefeated team remaining, and we will only have well, we'll have one fewer winless team remaining. I think. Do I have to? to. Do I have to scold professional league schedulers again? We're we're gonna play a game in Birmingham and a game in. Memphis on Saturday, but then we're going to play two games in Detroit on Sunday. Why not? Why, why people? You could do why not? Birmingham, Detroit, and then Memphis, Detroit. It works. There's a way to do it and split But it. you're not going to get people... Uh, this is actually smart, in my opinion, because you're not going to get people in for Pittsburgh, Philadelphia if it's on Saturday. And they have no incentive to want to try and stay to see the actual hometown team play, right? To me, this is actually a smart move. I get what you're saying, but I and they very well could be charging two tickets. But these games are going to run. I into guarantee you, they are. I I actually I would not know. think so. I, I would doubt not it. think so. It's a very much made for TV product, and tickets are like ten bucks. So if they want to give them away, it's not going to cost them anything. Also, one of these games is on the cock, bro. It's not that important to them. Well, it's the on NBC. Ballers and, and stars. Yeah. NBC is the cock. I don't know how I feel yes. about that. 
That's why that's why their streaming service is called Peacock because they are the cock. Uh, potentially a match of the two best teams in the entire league, the Generals and the Panthers. I don't know if that's true or not. Probably not. I don't know. We can't we can't Could judge be. based off the power rankings yet. We, right. we we just don't know. Right. I'm gonna lump everybody into number ten next week. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Birmingham gets to number nine. We'll see. <laughs> I think we'll probably have a little bit to say on a couple of games next week at least. I, I expect so. It's it's yeah. week three. We're gonna start to learn some real things about these teams. And it's they are similar to how they were constructed last year, though at least Panthers have a very different vibe about them. So Well yeah, when you get rid of Jeff Fisher, that tends to happen. Yeah, usually yeah. works out pretty well for you getting rid of Jeff Fisher. Yeah, if you're the Rams, you get everyone to move else to LA. fired Jeff Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the Rams, you get to move to LA and then, you know, yeah. five, six years later the the Battle Hawks and the XFL come home. Yeah, if you're the Titans, you get to draft Marcus Mariota. We all remember those great Super Bowl years. <laughs> Mike Jones, baby. Preventing that Super Bowl. <clears throat> anyway, uh so as I've already mentioned, and as, of course, you will be aware if you are a football fan, which, if you're not, what are you still doing here? I guess thank you for watching, please, but weird. Please stay. Uh, yeah. So, this week is the NFL draft. It's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, in the meantime, I will be live tomorrow night with my own personal first-round mock draft. Tug will be live Wednesday night with his personal first-round mock draft, which will, of course, include the switch-up now that the Packers and Jets have swapped first-round picks in the Aaron Rodgers trade. I uh, might talk about that a little bit more tomorrow when I go live. Probably not. I don't give a shit about Aaron Rodgers. Fuck, fuck that guy. I'm fully on Bugs' side with this now. Look, look, Zach Wilson's going to make his life hell now. That's yes. confirmed in the media. Yes, that is 100% factually accurate. I do believe that Zach Wilson has that power, yes. <laughs> he will rain Mormonly hellfire down. I was going to say. From his great cougars in the sky. Uh, no, so, those are still in... Uh, those are Provo. still on the internet? No, those are still in Provo, man. Anywho, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have, uh, obviously we had our mock draft 3.0 already. Uh, first three rounds, that's all gone to shit now. All those picks are to- totally different after this trade. So we'll get some, some better reactions tomorrow and Wednesday. We will be live for the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday night. Instead of a regular episode, I think we'll upload that anyway. I don't know how that works exactly. I don't know usually what we did do. last year. Sounds about right. Uh, if you want to tune in after the fact, again, weird. Not going to stop you, but feel free. Uh, I very well may get plastered again. We'll find out. I thought we, I thought we killed that idea, but hey, I did and then i thought about it and i thought it'd be way more fun to watch <laughs> live for four hours if i were sipping some bourbon so we will find out thursday i agree what happens 
I'm not committing either way. And and what about Friday? Are we going Friday too? Very probably, but we will talk about that after Thursday. <laughs> there, and so telling me is there's a chance for five straight nights of BDT football. That is very much a real possibility, yes. And Saturday, I will be live for day three at the draft. Eight, I won't be going live. Six but days of BDT football. I won't be going live. I won't be with the family. But if you want to check out our Twitter or Discord, I'll be talking about it all day in there. Hey, Tug, you want to tell us where, where people can find us on Twitter and Discord? Yeah, I guess I will. All right, guys, our links are posted in the description below, but we will read them out for you, or I will read them out for you because these guys hate me yeah, right. so much. Uh, you got Twitter.com slash football, Facebook.com slash football, Instagram.com slash underscore football, YouTube.com slash at Big Dudes in the Trenches, BDTFootball.com, Mailbox at BDTFootball.com, Patreon.com slash football. In our Discord, I can only link it. It is the most up-to-date link in our description below. Please join our server. Very nice. I was able to bob my head to the beat. Nice. I would recommend keeping more in time next time, though. It was actually starting to hurt getting out of rhythm that much. You didn't tell me I wanted a rhythm deal with it. I want a rhythm deal with it. No. Hey, did y'all know that we got a bearded dragon over the weekend. I did know that. You can see you can see the cage right there. Well, see I can there. see the lamp. Dragon is yeah. beard all, all over you. It's ah, like gosh. it's that big. It's tiny right now. Little baby. But also, did you know that elephants are capable of swimming twenty miles a day? Good for them. I knew they swam a lot. Twenty miles is pretty extreme. That's that's, that's pretty good. impressive. That is a is long it... distance. Is it yeah. actually swimming, or are they just walking on the bottom of whatever lake they're trudging through? That would be called walking. This was called swimming. <laughs> I think the correct term might be waiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But this stat was about swimming, so I'm going to say it was swimming. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have gone <laughs> off the rails. That is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win the train.